0: On the show today, spectral hounds and three-headed dogs, the canines of folklore.
1: What are the most famous stories of dogs in folklore? And what do they tell us about humans' relationships with man's best friend?
2: Hello,
0: I'm James Jacobson in Maui, Hawaii.
1: And I'm Claire Mansell in London, England.
0: Welcome to Dog Edition.
1: Where voices from around the world consider
0: all things dog. Dog Edition is the first show designed for you to listen to while you walk your dogs.
1: Today, we learn how folklore isn't just about old stories. We're contributing to it right now and you are probably doing the same
0: that and a lot more so if you love dogs as much as we do pause what you're doing leash up your pup and let's go for a walk because we've got a lot to talk about on today's episode of dog edition hey
3: pepper want to go for a walk
0: according to legend on the 4th of august in 1577 there was a loud clap of thunder and a large black dog who burst through the doors of St. Mary's Church in Bungay in England, killing two people and causing the church steeple to collapse.
3: The
1: dog then moved on to Blytheborough Church, where it mauled and killed two more people. Locals attributed its appearance to the devil, and scorch marks are still visible on the door of the church to this day.
0: Strange as it seems, this tale of a demonic black dog is not a one-off. There are hundreds of black dog stories dating back thousands of years. Mark Norman is an author and a black dog expert. The earliest example of a black dog sighting comes from Peterborough in
4: 1127. It's recorded in the Anglo-Saxon Chronicle. I've got somewhere around about a thousand examples in my archives of eyewitness reports and Descriptions come from literature, not fictionalised literature, but from old books where people have reported on the subjects and so on.
1: Stories of black dogs appear all over Europe and the Americas, though they are most common in the UK. They are often reported as having glowing red eyes, and Ooh. their appearance usually foretells of something bad that is to come. Glowing red eyes,
0: I love it. Dr. Stanley Corrin is a professor emeritus of the Department of Psychology at the University of British Columbia, and he is author of Gods, Ghosts, and Black Dogs. He was contacted by a woman back in 2011 who had a spooky encounter with a black dog.
2: A woman by the name of Florence Brown, who was a vicar's wife, reported encountering a dog up the deer Bungay, and her husband thought that perhaps this was... Black Shop, which is one of the names which is given to these devil dogs. And so he stepped between her and he was struck by a heart attack. And she wrote to ask me, is there any condition where dogs' eyes might glow red?
1: In historical records, ghostly black dogs often appeared alongside
4: ghostly hunters. The motif goes back a long way in history. And its earliest roots come from ideas surrounding the wild hunt the uh, Germanic legend of ghostly riders who, who ride across the sky at night hunting souls, accompanied by demonic hounds.
5: Black dogs are associated with the wild hunt. It's a ghostly hunt which runs through the night, and sometimes it's led by the Kaliak, which is an old woman of winter, sometimes by Odin himself, who obviously is the all-father in Norse mythology.
0: That is D.S. Nelson. She's an author and host of the podcast, The Stories from Lore. Not all black dogs are a part of the hunt, but they often wander roads at night. Here's Mark Norman again.
4: There are lots of examples in the folklore record in the UK of dogs who accompanied people on a journey at night through woods or on lonely country roads where, you know, danger would have been in the shrubbery or in the hedges for robbers who would have attacked a person were it not for this large black dog that was walking alongside them but then curiously disappears just before they get to their house.
1: Black dogs are supposedly ghostly figures who can move between our world and the spiritual world. Sometimes as a warning, sometimes as a communication between the two worlds. DS Nelson thinks that these black dog stories had a purpose. All these stories are ways of us passing down lessons
5: through the generations. So these stories of black dogs are possibly another way of teaching us to pay attention. We know so much about dogs now that they can smell when somebody is having a diabetic episode and so much more as well. Perhaps this folklore was teaching us that these dogs do have a sixth sense. And so we should pay attention to that.
0: In English folklore, the church grimm was a dog who used to be found in churchyards. And some stories say that the Grimm would be spotted at funerals, keeping watch and deciding whether the deceased soul would go to heaven or to hell.
1: Harry Potter himself even had a run-in with the Grimm during a tea leaf reading session mm. with Professor Trelawney in her divination class. Give me the cup. Oh,
3: oh, oh. Here. You have.
0: the Grimm. And some of the more spooky Black Dog stories inspired an even more famous tale. Any guesses? Here's a clue. In tracing back his lineage, he discovered not only that he was the next of kin, but also learned of that, that old legend about the hound. So he brought the hound to life by the simple expedient of buying the most savage dog that he could find and hiding it here on the moor until he needed it. If he had succeeded tonight, the blame would have fallen on the legendary monster.
1: That was, of course, Sherlock Holmes's Hounds of the Baskervilles. Now, folklore stories of dogs are so deeply embedded in myths and stories that they have given rise to some modern day prejudices. Black dog syndrome is the phenomenon documented by shelters whereby darker coloured dogs are more likely to be passed over for adoption than their lighter coated companions.
2: Dr. Stanley Korn agrees. They are associated with the devil, with death, and that sort of thing. That
0: is just horrible, and (laughs) it's amazing to think that that bias may be connected to these old folklore stories. Yeah. Dr. Corin also notes that some religions have negative associations with black dogs and believe that they
2: can be the devil in disguise. In Islam, there is a whole thing about, black dogs. There was actually an incident just a few years ago in which a blind person in Reading in England went to enter a bus with his guide dog, who was a black Labrador retriever. And there was an Islamic family sitting over there, and they went into such hysterics that the bus driver had to put the man off the bus to keep the peace. So those beliefs are really quite strong and are prevalent today.
1: There was a study presented at the 2013 International Society for Anthrozoology
0: conference. Well, wait, 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 I'm not going to let you get by with it. Anthrozoology? Claire, what is anthrozoology?
1: (laughs) Oh, Jim, I'm so glad you asked. Um, It's an interdisciplinary field that explores the spaces that animals occupy in human social and cultural worlds.
0: That's pretty cool. Basically, uh, animal folklore.
1: Yeah, pretty much. (laughs) In the study, they show participants pictures of dogs of varying colours and found that darker pets were judged as less adoptable and black dogs were considered the most aggressive. Hmm. Dr. Coram was intrigued and he did his own research too.
2: We took all these dogs and we took a full body shot and a headshot of each of the dogs and tried to put them all on a uniform background. And then we took a big bunch of people and we asked them to look at each of these photos and to answer a series of four questions. Did they like the way the dog looked? Did they think the dog might be aggressive? Did you think the dog might be a good pet? And would they like this particular dog? You can probably guess the way the results turned out. The yellow labs were the most preferred and the black labs were the least preferred. Now, in this particular case, it was a Western group. It was all Canadian college students. But the least preferred of these preferred dogs were the black dogs.
1: Of course, there might be a lot of reasons why people don't choose black dogs. And in fact, one of the things we discovered was... They don't photograph as well, and so (laughs) maybe the millennials don't like them for that reason.
0: (laughs) They're not Instagrammable, or they're Instagrammable, but you have to have the right lighting and really good camera technique.
1: Yeah, but if The Dark Tales of Black Dogs as Omens puts you off, then DS Nelson puts a really positive spin on those folklore tales.
5: There's plenty of these black dogs appearing at a point where something bad could have happened to that person as a kind of warning. Rather than a foregone conclusion, the person can actually change their destiny. So it could be argued that actually owning a black dog is a good thing.
0: In some parts of the world, a black dog has taken an association with mental health. And that may also have its roots in folklore. Here's Mark Norman. There is a Black Dog Institute in
4: Australia, which is an institute for mental health and depression. It took its name from this idea of the black dog being a form of depression. The term was coined by Sir Winston Churchill. It has since taken on that idea of a metaphor surrounding the dogs that are an omen of something bad that is to come.
1: Mark is correct that most people think of Winston Churchill when they think of the black dog phrase, but the writer Samuel Johnson used it before him, and the way that he wrote it in a letter without explanation, it seems that it was likely to be a common phrase and that the roots of that lie in black dogs being an omen of something bad to come.
0: No one knows for sure what's behind the sightings of all these mysterious black dogs, But there is a theory that some of the stories were invented to keep kids away from places (laughs) that they shouldn't be. And sometimes adults who were up to no good, and as you'll hear, used black dog stories to their advantage. Here's D.S. Nelson.
5: Often you will find that there are black dogs on the coast. The folklore has been encouraged by smugglers who want to keep people away from the coastline while they're bringing up their goods from the boats.
0: And there is one particular example in Jersey, the Jersey Isles in the United Kingdom, not New Jersey, where you can see evidence of how the black dog myth got started.
5: In Jersey... There is a legend of a black dog down in Boole Bay. This black dog is supposed to just wander around Buley Bay with chains clanking and just frightening people. But if you go to the Jersey Maritime Museum, you will find a replica black dog head. And it's enormous. A man could fit in the head. And that's the point, is that the smugglers used to put all of their contraband in this black dog head and get
1: inside it and then go where they are meant to be going with their contraband. Aside from stories of smugglers taking advantage of black dog folklore, Mark Norman thinks there's probably a more logical explanation why there are quite so many sightings
4: recorded. It wasn't accidental that the term man's best friend was coined for the dog. We have this ingrained connection. We associate things that happen around us subconsciously with the idea of dogs. So... You see a shape in the dark at night. You have to interpret that symbol somehow, and maybe
0: your subconscious interprets it in that way. We're gonna take a quick break, but when we return, more about the folklore of dogs and how they've affected us today. We'll be right back. And now, a message from your dog.
6: Every day with you is like a day at the beach. And I want as many beach days as possible. I want to run and sniff and find a good stick to carry. I want to roll in the grass and warm my belly in the sun. I want to walk with you, run with you, sleep with you, eat with you. And when I eat with you, I want ever pup. The green, grassy, beef liver spiked smell wakes my senses. You may not realize this, but it tastes like homemade gravy, especially when you wet it. It infuses any food you give me with health and life and vibrancy. I can feel it, Everpup, traveling to every cell in my body, nourishing each one. Does it roll back time? Of course not, not really, but it helps me feel like I'm on top of the world. I'm so glad you're giving it to me every day. Because every day I'm so glad to be with you. I'm so grateful to be your dog and for the Everpup you give me.
4: So now that you know what your dog wants, get Everpup, the ultimate dog supplement. Everpup is available in select pet shops and on Amazon. But to get the best price possible, join the Everpup Club at everpupclub.com. Where you'll get your first jar for just $8 with free shipping anywhere in the US. Go to everpupclub.com and use the discount code DPN. That is everpupclub.com. Everpup every day.
0: Welcome back. Before the break, we heard about one of the most famous kinds of dogs in mythology and folklore, the black dog, a spooky ghostly animal which sometimes foretells of death.
1: We wanted to know how well-known dog tales were, so we went to some dog parks to find out.
0: You've got the black dog of the UK, that's an ongoing folklore, and then there's also Cerberus, of course, Greek mythology.
1: I think it was something to do with a baby being hurt by a dog. But in fact, the dog was not responsible when the end of the story came up. There is the dog. I believe he was in Japan and he would follow his owner to the train station and pick his owner up there every day. And then when the owner passed away, he would still do that and wait at the train station. I have a vague recollection of a three headed dog that guards the underworld. All that's coming to mind is like the stories of hunters.
0: Moving on. In even older stuff from Greek and Roman mythology, dogs often acted as guardians. The three-headed dog Cerberus, for example, guarded the entrance of the underworld. He was a pretty scary beast with one fatal flaw. If you played music to him, well, he fell asleep.
1: (laughs) I'm imagining you is a little bit like that. Could you just be calmed by music and then just like (sighs) doze off? (laughs) If you think Cerberus sounds familiar... It's because you might well have seen him in a certain wizarding film and book. Didn't you see what it was standing on? I wasn't looking at its feet. I was a bit preoccupied with its heads. Or maybe you'd notice there were three.
4: J.K. Rowling uses a lot of folklore and mythology in her writing. Cerberus, three-headed hellhound guardian to the underworld. Exactly the same type of dog in Harry Potter is guarding the Philosopher's Stone. Fluffy, three-headed dog. It's exactly the same thing.
1: So I have to say, Jim, that going into this kind of folklore in Harry Potter made me want to re-watch the Harry Potter movies. And so last weekend, <laughs> I looked great, that's up... That's a
0: great excuse. That's it great. is. Kids, it's work. i yes. I got to watch the whole Harry Potter stuff. I'm
1: going to monopolise the TV. And I have to watch the next seven hours of Harry Potter. No, um... So I was, I was looking up Harry Potter and the Philosopher's Stone on the streaming platform, and it kept coming up with the Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone. And I was like, well, that's not it. But you have a different title in the US. Uh,
0: don't ask me why. <laughs> yeah, you, it's, it's another thing. We don't, we don't know what philosophy is. I'm not quite sure.
1: Okay. But a sorcerer is a magician, yeah?
0: Yes. Yeah. Yes. And a philosopher is, is a different type of magician. Yeah.
1: yeah. It probably makes more sense, actually, that yours is a, a Sorcerer's Stone, Yeah. Absolutely.
0: Well, turning Harry Potter aside, dogs have been performing the task of watchdog or guardian for humans for millennia. The Romans even used to put mosaics of dogs at the entrance to their homes to warn visitors of the presence of a dog. Kind of what I think of as an ancient version of a beware of the dog sign. (laughs) We see the dog as a guardian of treasure
4: in some examples. So there are stories where a treasure has been buried somewhere and a spectral dog is said to guard it in some way. There's an example from Scotland where a treasure was said to be buried in a pond, and the farmer buys the land and decides to drain the pond in order to get the treasure. But every night at midnight, there is this ferocious howling. In the end, they have to fill the pond back in again, because the dog that guards the treasure won't allow them to take it.
1: The Danish author Hans Christian Andersen incorporated this idea of dogs as guardians into his fairy tale, The Tinderbox, which traces its roots to a Scandinavian folktale.
0: Now, in that story, a witch recruits a soldier to retrieve a tinderbox hidden under a tree and guarded by three dogs with eyes as big as saucers. The story uses the familiar motif of the pattern of three, Although in this case, it is three individual dogs and not a three-headed dog.
1: Fairy tales are a particular branch of folklore where the story serves a purpose.
0: Hmm. I never even thought to define a fairy tale and to, and to think of it in that context, but that's so it's kind of like a fable, but more complicated. I mean, it, it has a didactic purpose.
1: Yeah, I mean, I dug into this a lot with Kelly McCath Morin, who you will hear in a minute, and she has done a lot of work on this, a lot of studying on it, and still studying on it. And she can talk about these distinct branches of folklore, and it's fascinating. But yeah, fairy tales have a story which has a purpose at the end of it.
3: Fairy tale is a morality tale. And people don't really think about that because a lot of our fairy tales come to us in the modern day through Disney and they have happy endings. But fairy tales don't have happy endings. They don't have happy endings. They have moral endings. And so what we have is a moral lesson presented in a tale So
1: if fairy tales and fables are trying to teach humans something, why are there so many dogs in them?
3: Scholars have told us that one of the reasons why fables are so populated by animals is because it's a little easier to take your moral medicine if it comes from a non-human being.
0: Now let's turn to the third chapter of our tale on folklore. The third type of dog that we often see in folklore is something that we've already touched on in Dog Edition – And it's the dog as protector for us humans.
1: Back in episode 70, we devoted a whole episode to the subject of why dogs are so loyal. And we discussed the identical stories of Fido and Hachiko, two dogs from Italy and Japan who waited for their owners long after they died. We see that kind of motif of the loyal animal appearing in all sorts of stories from around the world. And in the Western world, the animal is most often a
0: dog. Well, dogs are pretty loyal, so I get it. Now, if a dog isn't waiting for its owner long after the owner has died, the dog is often protecting a baby. D.S. Nelson has a particular favourite tale of a loyal dog, which comes from Welsh folklore.
5: My favourite story is a story of Gellert from Beth Gellert. And that story involves a prince and he has just had a new son they're about to go out on a hunt and the servants take the baby down to the hall where there's been a fire and it's a bit smoky so they don't want it to be too smoky for the baby so they leave the door open slightly And the prince leaves Gellert, who's an enormous Welsh hunting hound, with the baby to guard the baby. When he returns from hunting, he returns to this absolutely horrendous scene with the cradle upturned, no sign of his child, and his dog covered in blood and blood all around its mouth and paws. And he is so caught up in his grief that he feels sure that his dog has killed his child. And he runs the dog through with a sword. And he then realises when he stops and looks around, he sees that there is like something with a tail sticking out from behind a curtain. And he goes and has a look and he discovers that it's a wolf and that this wolf is obviously what the blood on Gellert was from and that Gellert had protected the child. He then hears a crying and he sees that underneath the basket there is his child and his child's absolutely
1: fine. If all of this is sounding a little familiar, (laughs) despite the fact that you're pretty sure you've never heard a Welsh folklore tale, it may well be because this story was borrowed by Disney and worked into the script for Lady and the Tramp.
0: (sighs) Yes, I'm not very up on my Welsh folklore, I got to admit, but I love, 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 love Lady and the Tramp. I mean, I have very fond memories of Lady and the Tramp from when I was a kid, and I, and I still watch it today. It's such a cool thing. Anyway, as you will recall, hopefully from the movie, and if you haven't seen it, please check it out. When a rat gets into the baby's room, the tramp chases it out and saves the baby. But overturning the cradle in the process. Well, when the mother is awoken to all the commotion that's going on, the dog gets the blame for all that mess and is sent to the pound. It's a sad story, but I promise you there's some redemption.
6: <laughs> oh, merciful heavens! Oh, oh, you poor little darling. No, 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 goodness should not hurt you. You vicious brute. Get back. Get back. Go go, go on. Get back. The pound. The pound. That's it. I'll call the pound.
0: Another modern day equivalent of the tale of Gellert is the choking Doberman urban myth.
1: This story tells of an owner who comes home to find their dog choking. They rush it to the vet. And on the way home, receive a panicked call telling them not to enter the house. The obstruction in the dog's throat was severed human fingers. (laughs) And inside the house, the police find a fingerless thief hiding in the closet. Now, can I just give you an illustration of how these stories spread so quickly?
0: Yes, please.
1: I told this story to my children because they were saying, what's an urban myth? And I said, well, this is an example of an urban myth. It's not true. Right. The next day, one of my children came home and said, that story about the choking Doorman. I told everyone in the class. And I'm like, it's a made up story.
0: <laughs> it's viral before there was viral. That's wonderful. And that is how these things spread. And I guess that is sort of the magic of folklore, right? These stories are so interesting, so intriguing, And so gross, I mean, you know, I can see the kids going, oh, that's really cool, fingers. (laughs) So it's really, really cool. And yeah, that's how things are spread. In Texas, there is a tale of a loyal dog who is helping a child with something entirely different that gets stuck in its throat. I
4: think my favorite is one which is related about a boy who was orphaned at age five, went to stay with other members of the family and refused to eat because... He was pining for his mother's cooking, essentially, and the family would begin to get frantic. And then at night, this white smoke started to appear in the boy's room, took on the form of a dog, and the dog would then proceed to cough up tea cakes and um, those he would eat because they were very similar to those
0: he remembered his mother's cooking. So we've heard about three different kinds of dogs, which are well-documented in folklore and modern-day stories, whether that is a fairy tale or mythology or even Harry Potter. But what exactly is folklore? And are we still making it today or just repeating these same old stories? Well, it turns out folklore is a whole lot more than just old stories. We asked folklorist Kelly mccath Bourne,
3: One of the most Famous scholarly definitions of folklore is artistic communication in small groups. So if you're getting together with the ladies and the quilt club, you are making folklore. If you are marching down the street, chanting, you know, for a cause, you are making folklore. So
1: based on this definition, all those dog videos we share with our friends
0: are folklore. (laughs) A different type, a modern day version.
1: Yeah. Memes are folklore. Mm -hmm. And Jim, the stories that we tell on Dog Edition
3: are folklore.
0: Welcome to Dog Edition, the folklore edition, which (laughs) is every episode. (laughs) Wow, that's pretty cool.
3: Folklore is massive. Anytime we create culture together, anytime we get together in a group and we tell a story or we pass a meme, that's folklore. Folklore is a big umbrella.
0: Folklore shows us that dogs have been an important part of humans' lives for much of history. And whether we realize it or not, our thoughts about dogs nowadays are informed by the stories that are ingrained in our culture.
1: Every time a black dog is overlooked for adoption at a shelter, Mm -hmm. or we make reference to a dog looking after a baby, those ideas are at least partly down to folklore.
0: Here is Dr. Stanley Coren again.
2: The cultural influences, they're very subtle, but they filter down and they become part of our judgment.
1: A few hundred years ago, the only way to tell a story was by spoken word. Now we can spread stories quicker than ever on the internet.
0: Who knows whether the next generation will hold on to the old myths about dogs or create their own new ones using memes and viral videos and TikTok. Well, that is the end of our story, our folklore today. I want to thank you for listening to this episode. I hope you enjoyed the show, and our tales of ghostly black dogs won't keep you awake tonight. We mentioned episode 70, where we talked about the loyalty of dogs. If you haven't checked it out, you can, and you can find all of our back episodes at dogedition.com.
1: Don't forget to follow Dog Edition in your favourite podcast app and check out our sister shows including The Long Leash with James Jacobson on dogpodcastnetwork.com and if you want to help us continue to bring dog-related stories to you every week then please tell a friend about this podcast as well. I'm Claire Mansell.
0: And I'm James Jacobson. Thank you for listening today on behalf of all of us here at Dog Podcast Network. I'd like to wish you and your dog a very warm aloha on the show today spectral hounds and three-legged dog (laughs) terrifying three-legged dogs